Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky. I'm the very stuffy-nosed deputy director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel here, which means Rebecca Lynch is with us. Rebecca is with the Wisconsin Working Families. Also a deputy director. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. And Robert Craig, executive director. He's got a fresh new haircut. He's ready to roll. He's got to get his headphones on, though. Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action. Welcome, Robert. Good day, everyone. All right. So, welcome. We got the second week of February. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about some endorsements that we have, spring elections. We're going to talk about what's been going on at the Capitol around the impending state budget. Uh, Governor Evers unveiled a few new proposals this week, which we want to talk about, some good proposals. Uh, also going to talk about uh, uh, Green New Deal, Paris Climate Accords, Governor Evers, some news there. We will talk about the Colin Kaepernick dust-up, and also Chris Larson will join us uh, to talk about a package of bills that he has to reform our democracy. Uh, we may also be joined by Sarah Goodluski, so our new state treasurer. We want to start by just mentioning some endorsements that Citizen Action made. We're actually catching up... Uh, Catching up to the Working Families Party over there, Rebecca, I think is they've already made these endorsements too. But uh, last Friday, our ex executive board uh, recommended the endorsement of Judge Lisa Neubauer for state Supreme Court. We'll have, obviously, more information about, talk a lot more about that race as it gets close. There is no primary, so you won't see that on the ballot, if I'm correct, uh, uh, this February. Uh, but there are a couple other races uh, that there were some areas we made endorsements. Our board endorsed um, Lori Palmieri for Oshkosh mayor, and there is a primary there. So please get out and support Lori. Uh, follow up with our, our organizer there, Joe Lee Lizette, if you want to get involved. And then also here in Milwaukee, something that's uh, much closer to uh, Rebecca's heart. She has been heavily involved in the efforts around Milwaukee Public Schools, and we made a number of endorsements. I won't go through all those right now, uh, but they're listed on our website. And this weekend, it's a great opportunity to get out. In fact, Rebecca, I'm just going to kick it to you right now. We have some activities this weekend, particularly uh, in some of the MPS school board races. If folks want to get involved in the Milwaukee area, what should they do? Yeah, I'll just <clears throat> quickly highlight um, three candidates and two two things this weekend. So the first candidate is Megan O'Halloran, who is running in a primary that's going to be on Tuesday, February 19th. So this weekend is Get Out the Vote weekend for Megan's race. That's um, Bayview area mostly. Any I other? got her mailing last oh, night. Wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Great. So she was uh, one of the uh, endorsed candidates last Friday. So get out and help her. Get out and help MPS mom, longtime activist, super progressive, um, you know, running on a number of things, including disrupting the school to prison pipeline. Uh, then we've got uh, County Supervisor Saquana Taylor, who is a minister who's a uh, uh, someone who works in MPS, former EA, um, no, has had a number of parent and professional roles in our public schools. She's running for school board, and the uh, Wisconsin Women's March and the Working Families Party are working together on a canvas for her on Saturday uh, out of um, a Starbucks on Capitol. So you can go to our Facebook page and see the event for that. And then I'll just note, um, if folks don't know about Erica Simpson, who's yep. challenging incumbent Wendell Harris, they had their first candidate forum last night. 
um, her opponent was like 45 minutes late. But when he got there, um, he, he shows up on the live stream. So anyone who wants to watch that can. Uh, and if you want to support Erica, she does not have a primary, but uh, we'll have opportunities coming up. So just want to put that on your radar. Okay, great. And folks, don't forget uh, next Tuesday, right? Got to get out and vote. So uh, where you live, there's probably a primary of uh, substance uh, since the Supreme Court isn't going. Uh, but uh, check that out and make sure you get out and vote. But uh, with that, we're going to move on and we're going to talk a bit about what's been going on here in the state this week. Uh, so Governor Evers announced earlier, early in the week, and it actually is getting extremely well received, uh, that he'd like to invest about a mil $100 million dollars. Uh, to to do three major things. One is replace lead pipes, reduce water pollution, which is a huge issue both rurally and uh, in the cities, uh, but also increase access to dental care. Um, these are being extremely well received, uh, particularly around dental care for low-income folks. So, uh, Robert and Rebecca, any thoughts you have on this? Uh, and this is in the context, again, right? We talked last week. There's going to be a middle-class tax cut. We know that there's going to be an effort to expand Badger Care, right, to accept that federal Medicaid money and expand Badger Care, but also then investing in public schools. So thoughts on where this leaves us, the state of play here? And then, oh, sorry, one last thing. The Assembly and the Senate did uh, approve the Republican tax cut plan, which we talked about last week. Robert. Yeah, we'll get to the tax cut. <laughs> uh, plan later. I've not done a full analysis of whether the 70 million uh, is sufficient, but it's certainly a huge start. And obviously, you know, we have people being poisoned in this state. A lot of them kids. And you would think that if you had a big, if you have a big public health uh, crisis, it's the role of government to step in and prevent people from being poisoned and protect citizens. You would think that is common sense, but since there's been no significant state action on the lead pipe crisis since it, since it was revealed, apparently it's not. And apparently the uh, Republican conservative vision of government is, is that it's someone else's role to protect the children. I believe, Robert, best estimates this would address about 9% or 10% somewhere in there. So it's a start. Just to start good, on a good that start, book. but good. Thanks for... We need to start. Gra grabbing that. Seriously. <laughs> Dental is interesting. It's kind of a, an issue where you think it falls behind the radar screen. It's, it's actually very shrewd for him to do this in terms of just a public health and coverage uh, point of view, because there's a, for low-income people and people who live in rural areas, it's really hard to see a dentist and something like over 20% of kids have untreated cavities, elementary school kids. So it's, I mean, how do you go learn if, you're, if, you're, if your mouth hurts, right? And so that's a serious problem. There aren't enough dentists, and there aren't enough dentists who will take Medicaid. Medicaid reimbursement rates are very low. It's not like Badger Care uh, for general medical care. And it kind of reflects, and Wisconsin's worse than most other states. It's really bad, and in a situation that's bad everywhere. And what's interesting is a lot of our public health, our, our health coverage programs, Medicare, Medicaid, actually need to be improved to cover more things. We actually need to get to a situation where dental care is as much of a right as general health care under Badger Care, and the same with mental health. But this is a huge step forward. But I'll just say, but I know Rebecca is going to jump in here, that negative kudos to the Dental Association that is complaining 
uh, that it should all go to them and shouldn't go to any dental therapist because a lot of states expand access through dental therapists and is essentially acting like a traditional trade group that just wants to protect its, its profession and doesn't take responsibility for, for dental health for the whole state, since I know of no plan from the Dental Association other than demanding large rate increases, which might be okay if they also helped us with the revenue, but I bet they'll be silent on the Republican tax plan to like just take a bunch of revenue that could go to something like dent like rates for dental for dentists. Yeah, you know, I think your point about how, you know, we don't often um, treat dental health care as being part of health care is a really good point, especially when you consider how many people show up in emergency rooms because of issues with their teeth in the state. And so, uh, it, you know, I think it's a, a great initiative. The opposition from the dentists is interesting because, you know, what we have is a dearth of hundreds of professionals needed to provide care to Wisconsinites, particularly children, particularly in rural areas. And so this is, you know, a great solution, I think, to allow these uh, dental therapists to do things like fill simple cavities and, you know, uh, clean people's teeth and check them out. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a great it's a great solution. I don't I can't think of any other like if the dentists have another solution, then you know, um, by they all do. Means. They want to be paid private rates, and we'll get into that eventually when we get to Medicaid, because Medicaid expansion debate is going to come down to demands of hospitals and doctors that their rates are the only thing that matter. Got it. So, obviously, you know, Robert, you mentioned earlier, this is a start. 10% um, of addressing the lead pipe crisis, I guess, if we get back to our conversation that we had last week about you know, could there be a vision that was bigger and bolder than this, even though we know? I mean, look, we, we know what, what the legislature is <laughs> and what it's not going to accept. But it is it, 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 it is frustrating, right? At one point you read it and you're like, oh, 10 percent. Well, OK, well, that's great. Where's where's the plan to like really just get go 100 percent? Right. You know, or to. You know, provide health care for everyone. And or let to, them say no to it and maybe yes. make it a huge jobs yeah. program. How about that? Yeah, no, yeah, I think we want, I think it's, look, we have a governor who will take significant steps forward that yeah. matter. I do think he needs wind at his sails from all of us to be bolder. And that's not, that's not a, a, a specific critique of him. It's a critique of a lot of uh, people who get elected governor, U.S. Senate, or, co or to Congress and the Democratic Party. Yeah, and, and like to me, when I read this stuff, I'm like, wow, you know, if we could end here, like if this were where the end of the debate went in terms of after we're in when he debates with the le legislature, all this stuff after laying out a really bold visionary plan, I that would be really exciting. My concern is this is like sort of our first stake. And then where does it go from here and what are we left with? So just a thought. It's a caution. I, I'm going to try not to do too much of this because I. I truly am supportive and believe this is definitely better, and, and we laid out all the reasons yeah, and why. And it's a fresh air compared to what we just uh, were facing for a year. But when we get back, uh, we'll, we'll talk more. You are listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are really happy to bring you the second installment of Sarah What the Godlewski Does the State Treasurer Do? Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt, for having me. Well, we really appreciate it. It's um, We've been tracking you from afar. We 
saw the State Journal article, and uh, we're obviously very thrilled and uh, glad you're in place. And so I guess <laughs> our first question to you is, tell us uh, the biggest thing uh, uh, that you have been doing. Particularly, it sounds like last week I heard that there was some interesting news around uh, that, that, that the state treasurer did. So why don't you inform our listeners? Yeah, so I, I will tell you, Matt, for an office that pe some people thought should have been um, removed, we've been quite busy within our first month. Um, and I would say the first kind of critical policy that we have um, really overturned it has to deal with climate change, of all topics. Um, as, a, as a believer in science, I think you might be as well, Matt, right? Big um, believer, yes. <laughs> so I am the chair of a $1.2 billion trust fund. And so in that capacity as chair, I have, um, which is, there's two other board members. We have independent investment authority. So we look at um, how we invest this fund. But the other part of it is we help to oversee almost 80,000 acres of public lands here in Wisconsin. Now, when we came to the board, one of the rules is that we could not talk about climate change at all, <laughs> which to me seems absolutely nuts. Well, Adam Check was a client, a science denier, if I, if I recall correctly, in, in, in addition to being a denier of the treasurer's office existing. Right. right. So, I mean, so think about this. We manage over seven, almost 80,000 acres of land, and that can be infect, impacted by, what is it, flooding, by insects, by all sorts of things, and we're not able to look at science and how that might impact. Or we deal with investments that look at the global markets, and that could be impacted by, you know, a hurricane somewhere or an earthquake, but we're not allowed to include that in our risk evaluation. I mean, this is nuts. And quite frankly, I think that it is reckless because we are literally the fiduciaries that are responsible for this fund. And uh, where these funds go is they go to public schools. So last year, this fund provided over $35 million to public schools. And so we want to make sure as the fiduciary for these funds that we're upholding our responsibility. And so last week, we one of the first steps we did was we overturned the gag rule against climate change. So you overturned the ostrich head in the sand solution <laughs> that was right. held by the incumbent. Right. Well, and, and Robert, you bring up a really good point, because when we were talking to staff, I mean, it was just this excessive layer of red tape because climate change is just naturally a part of what they would be looking at. And they actually had to work even harder to get around it, and which to me is just absolutely silly that we're wasting tax dollars trying to get around something that they should have been looking at since the beginning. Treasurer Godlewski, I uh, know that this is something that was announced, I think, maybe a, about a week ago now, maybe slightly less. And I'm curious, you know, what was the response that you got from folks, whether it was people in Madison or climate activists or, or voters or whomever? Like, did you get any reaction from this policy change? Well, yeah, because in addition to just allowing us to look at climate change and talking about it, we also allowed for investment in renewable energy. Uh, one of the crazy things, Rebecca, is that previously school districts were not allowed to come to us if they needed financing for renewable energy projects. And so 
a combination of allowing for investments into renewable energy, which to me is a win-win because not only is it good for the environment, it saves taxpayers money because it's more efficient and effective. Um, so a combination of renewable energy investments to allowing climate change back into our portfolio. Um, we got a lot of really good feedback from across the state. Uh, in fact, this became somewhat of a national issue. I mean, they covered this in the Washington Post on Monday um, because one of the, I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with Tia Nelson. Um, she yes, was yeah. Gaylord Nelson's daughter who was the founder mm -hmm. of Earth Day. Yeah. Um, she used to act to be the executive secretary for this fund and it's one of the reasons why she left and so um we're just really excited to be bringing common sense um back to the management of this important trust in the environment here in wisconsin and it's my understanding sarah that they hounded tia off that they bullied her basically and she just uh didn't want to deal with it anymore yeah, no, you're exactly right, Robert. I mean, the abuse that she took about just trying to be a good fiduciary of of school and of Wisconsinites, you know, money and of their public lands, that I mean, that's exactly what she should have been doing in that role is ensuring that these things are looked at and they just kind of bullied her off. We're glad that that now will be something in the past and will not prevent us from being successful moving forward. So what's next? You know, this is a huge, I mean, I, you were sworn in barely a month ago, I think, and already are making these massive changes that are just so exciting. And, you know, I know you said it was covered in the Washington Post. I think also the New York Times or the AP picked it up. I, it's all over the place, really making waves um, and folks are noticing. But what's next? Um, you don't want you to, to pre-announce anything. You don't, you're not ready to announce. But in terms of the flow of the work of your office, you know, what should we expect from you over the, the coming month? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, it's a combination of a couple things. And one of the, we want to start looking at um, how we can reinsert ourselves as the fiscal watchdog for the state. So going back into providing um, transparency and accountability, I think that's going to be important, especially as we look at the budget and where has our money been going and, and what have we been getting for this. Um Another thing that we are looking at is the whole role of this office with economic security and sustainability, um, ranging from child savings accounts. So every kid in the state of Wisconsin, regardless of where you come from or what your zip code may be, would get a child savings account so they can pay for whether it's college or technical school or training. Um, in states that have done these kind of programs, kids are three times more likely to go to some sort of higher ed, but not only that, they're four times more likely to graduate. And so we know that this has been a barrier for a lot of families in Wisconsin to go to school because they simply can't afford it. Um, and so looking at how can we provide these savings accounts. Um, the other big thing that we'll start looking at is retirement. I mean, 51% of Wisconsinites do not have some sort of supplemental retirement fund, which is scary because people can't live off of their social security alone. They just, because of inflation and increase of costs, they just can't live on that once they retire. And so what are we doing in Wisconsin to help these 51% of people that don't have that additional source of income to help them live after they want to retire? So 
these are kind of some of the the economic empowerment issues that we're looking at um, that that honestly I I think that people want the conversation to start going in that direction. So, Sarah, I mean, those are both two huge issues. Are you thinking of proposing legislation to the state? Um, If you think about the retirement issue, it was a huge mistake to run away from defined benefit pensions to 401ks. Most people don't put in enough. And and there's also research that a huge percentage of what they do put in is taken away in fees because they're rigged by Wall Street. I mean, the state could literally create an easy platform that minus the fees like we do for EdVest, which has much lower fees, right, um, and, and also make it much more automatic so, so you could have opt-in, opt-out rather than opt-in, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you just hit the nail on the head, Robert. That's exactly what we're looking at is a very similar model to EdVest. Um, in fact, I was in Washington, D.C. yesterday Um, All the state treasurers got together um, uh, over the weekend and then on Monday and Tuesday, which on a side note, Wisconsin had not been a part of the national table for almost a decade. So I was glad to finally be back. (laughs) I was glad to finally be back at the table and talking about critical public financing issues that we were just kind of sitting on the sidelines for. Um, But we were talking to legislators about about exactly that, Robert. Like, can we look at, um, some states have been doing this individually. So Oregon, um, Rhode Island is about to start to do this, Illinois, but Oregon Saves is probably the best program that has been active for a couple of years. Um, And so we can start doing this at the state level. One of the things that we were talking about at the federal level was, can they replicate similar legislation to what EdVest was, which is the child savings program that gives you tax credits for saving for your college's education, um, can we do something similar for this kind of supplemental retirement account? So can we give you tax credits at the federal level for starting to save for retirement? Well, sounds like an amazing idea that just has not even been thought of for a few decades here in the state, or a decade <laughs> at least in the state. We right. want to take the time to thank you. we got to wrap up this edition of what the Godlewski does the treasurer do. We're going to have to change the title because we're we, we already starting to <laughs> deeply understand what the Godlewski is going to be doing. And we look forward to, to, to working with you in the future, having you on again next month. And maybe we'll dive a little deeper into this topic and other issues that you have going forward, especially as you head into the budget cycle uh, and how we can better be supporting uh, the great work that you're going to be doing. So thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're really happy to have State Senator Chris Larson with us. Chris has uh, been a long time, original uh, co-op member. And uh, I believe it's this week, maybe even today, Chris is introducing a series of bills to really reform our democracy. Let's uh, make democracy healthy again. Senator Larson, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Good to be on as always, guys. Yeah, so well, we appreciate you leading on this. So tell our listeners briefly, give us an overview. What, what, are, what, are, you, what are you presenting to the legislature? Um, today we're introducing eight bills um, called the Campaign Integrity Package. And essentially these shift the power back to the people away from the corrupting influence of money that has 
uh, overtaken our state's elections. Um, we have seen the problems that arise from that. Um, citizens have seen this over and over. We saw a, another record set by money spent uh, by outside groups in this last election cycle, over $91 million combined between candidates and campaigns um, in the governor's race. And it is outsized in a, in a way that uh, a normal person's vote, somebody who's not a billionaire, uh, their, their voice does not have the same weight as somebody else's. So there's, there's um, bigger things that we would love to do at some point, but these are ones that basically set us back to uh, the starting point that we were at just a few years ago, just some common sense things that uh, close loopholes from um, uh, preventing PACs um, from being able to bypass donation limits, uh, having special interests limit, limited um, in the amount that they can give to PACs, uh, cutting down to a more reasonable level what the limit is that can be donated to individuals. Um, so making a more level playing field for everybody. So there's a grand total of actually nine bills, um, and we're going to be introducing eight of them. One of them was circulated by Senator Erpenbach last cycle, and I think he'll be doing that again, and that one has to do with uh, transparency. Um, so today's a, a good day to, uh, to love democracy and start putting this forward. Yeah, we're very excited about these bills. Thank you for showing so much leadership on this. It's something that, as you know, because you're so often on the show and I know you listen, something we talk about a great deal, you know, this alarming increase of, you know, money in politics, kind of dark money, the loopholes that that we see. Um, we're looking ahead to April and the state Supreme Court race and expect that it'll be just as awful in terms of being an avalanche of money um, as we saw in November and, and last April for that matter. Um, my question for you, Senator Larson, is, you know, introducing these these bills, obviously we've got divided government in Madison. We've got large uh, majorities of Republicans in both houses, mainly due to, you know, extreme, you know, probably unconstitutional gerrymandering. Uh, and mm-hmm. I guess my question for you is, what do you see um, the prospects of these different bills being? I know you said that they're common sense solutions that just get, get us back to where we were a few years ago. But of course, your colleagues on the other side of the aisle have been responsible for getting us away from where we were a few years ago. So yeah. I just wonder, what's the strategy? What are the prospects for success? It's funny that you asked that question because it is almost the verbatim, the, the, the same question we get asked every time. Uh, any Democrat introduces a bill for the last eight years in the state, uh, which is like, what do you think Republicans are going to think of this? How many Republicans are going to go with that? And I think setting that, and, and, and so it's a, a normal uh, response, and I think it is, is ground a lot of progress to a halt of even just bringing forward bold ideas. And I think we're in a new place now where there is a sunrise on the horizon. We are three years, and I, I hope that people think of this with just, not just this, but with everything, but we're three years away from new maps at this point that will usher in a new set of legislators by, by the way that these maps will be drawn, if they are drawn in a fair and um, non-political way, and if we have the same kind of turnout, at the very least, it'll drive a closer margin between Democrats and Republicans. That's three years away. And so the hyper-partisanness that we see from, from Robin Voss and Scott Fitzgerald, who are the Republican leaders, 
uh, where it's more scorched earth than trying to find compromise, that'll be done away with. And it's only a matter of time where we shift the power back in favor of people who want to see democracy. And I think we, while we don't have Republicans on these, of course, um, while I don't expect them to pass by any Republicans this time, I think once they, enough of the uh, folks in both parties realize the system hurts average people, regardless of your party, that the moneyed interest doesn't care whether it's Democratic or Republican. They care about making more money. They care about rigging the system in their favor. And once you get a few folks who recognize that, it'll become easier to pass this through, hopefully on a bipartisan basis. Um, but it's something that's absolutely essential, whether it, if it happens to be one party that does it, it's essential for us to be able to save democracy. And I guess in this case, it's only appropriate that the Democratic Party be the one that stands for democracy. So I think um, this, you know, making reform generally, and I'm sure the specifics of what's in each of the eight bills are things that most listeners, if not all, of our this show support uh, throughout the state. So I wonder, you know, what are like two or three things that people who are listening to this interview right now can do to help kind of propel some momentum behind behind your effort? I would encourage everybody to do this on a regular basis, but on these specific issues specific, to contact your state rep, to contact your state senator, and to contact your governor on these issues. Um, there, like I said, there's nine bills total in this package. After today, we'll have bill numbers. Um, as of right now, they, they number in the LRBs from 1088 um, and then sequential up to 1095. And these are, so you can ask, your, your senators to support these, uh, to have their name added as a co-sponsor. Once we pass that point, then it will be about having a hearing, and we'll find out which committee we go to in the next week or so. Uh, at that point, it'll be to ask for a hearing on the bill. So it's, you know, it's like the schoolhouse rocks moving at one step in the process. So moving to have a hearing, if we can get a hearing after that, then we move to the next level of asking for a vote on it. Um, and that makes a difference. And you would be, and I think it's, it's, it's worth repeating that it's, it's always surprising how little legislators actually hear from uh, their constituents. It is, it is, we just had a huge bill up this week on uh, this, this huge monumental shift in how, in, uh, in taxes. And we got less than 10 phone calls and emails combined on it. Hey Chris, it's Robert. We're 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 going to be short on time in a minute, so I want to get a couple other other points in regarding your your package. So one is before I get to a bigger point, uh, real quick, um, on the dark money. Uh, you have a bill that addresses the fact that the money comes in anonymously and in huge amounts, yeah. and that you actually require not only registering of any big ads that are run, so that we know who ran it, but who the contributors are to them, if, if I'm correct, yeah. which means since we all, we, you and I and the audience knows that the, these giant, unregulated, anonymous contributions are not made in the public interest. They're a form of legalized bribery. Right. I mean, they're, they're, the way that they do it now is they can end up, well, first off, this is part of what we're trying to fix is part of a system that was created in the wake of Scott Walker's illegal coordination that was happening and investigated under the John Doe investigation. It, they ended up suspending that by 
some questionable moves of, of pushing the appeals court to throw things out and the Supreme Court jumping in and saying to destroy evidence. And it was clear that Scott Walker was coordinating illegally with outside groups, which Citizens United is actually built on the foundation that you can't coordinate between outside groups. He did that. He did that. And now after they broke the law, they changed it. So now Wisconsin is the only place where a group, a group can give unlimited donations to one party. That party then can immediately go and coordinate with a campaign, with a candidate, and spend that money as directed by them. That is an invitation for corruption. And that's exactly what we're seeing, right? You can you, right. you can just imagine the worst of scenarios, and uh, where they're looking for a return on their investment. And right, democracy and, should not be an investment vehicle, and that's what uh, closing that loophole will will do. Right, and Justice Caddy actually said that independent expenditures were not corrupting, uh, because and mm-hmm. and so when you're co- because there was no coordination, which of course we know <laughs> was legalized by the state supreme court. But we have a minute left. I just want to give you my perspective is these are all really good and they they help restore balance in the system. I'd like to get your thoughts. Uh, I think we need to move to a public financing system because we need a situation where it's the people who are paying for our elections and not not rich people, not corporations, not people with money. I just want to get, we have about 30 seconds left, what your perspective is if you see these as a first step to something bigger we ultimately need to do. It's essential that we move to a public financing system where there are, you know, multiplied matches by individuals, right? Or where you end up having um, uh, coupons, democracy coupons that individuals can distribute as they see fit to candidates that they support. I think that ends up putting it at a grounded level. It makes it so that it is a uh, sustainable, understandable way. Um, and it's yes, that is that is should be where we end up heading. That is the most um, the the best place that we can go, which will most likely be found constitutional in terms of uh, campaign finance and based on what they've done in other states. So yes, we should move to that. Like I said, this this package just moves us back to the starting line that we were at uh, a few years ago. From there, then yes, we can build to a public finance system where it is more. Uh, it's possible for uh, the average citizen to break through and actually uh, be part of this, the process, if not run for office themselves, without having to figure out how to navigate uh, all the political action groups there that have a vested moneyed interest in the outcome of their election. Senator Larson, we thank you so much uh, for joining us and uh, for leading on these bills and this issue broadly. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for all the work you guys do. Have a great weekend. Okay, you too. With that, we're going to take a break here at Citizen Action. This is the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We want to thank Sarah Godlewski for joining us, and we want to thank Senator Chris Larson for joining us. And uh, we're going to spend our last segment sort of picking up where we left off after our first and talking a little bit about what's been going on this week in Wisconsin and in particular around taxes. Um, Obviously we had talked about what uh, Evers was proposing in terms of a little more spending on some programs that we thought were important around uh, dental care, lead pipes. Um, But Robert, I know you wanted to talk a little bit more in particular about the taxes. The Republican proposal passed both the Senate and the assembly this week, and we know it's going to be vetoed. Um, Robert, 
Well, this is the part where I'm going to disagree more with Governor Evers, and I've been praising him, and he is a breath of fresh air. And I hear from staff multiple that he's great to work for, so he's obviously a very good man. Uh, But he says in his statement regarding the Republican tax cut that cutting taxes in middle-class families shouldn't be a Republican issue or Democrat issue. It's something we should all be able to agree on. Well, I guess here's some notes from somebody who's not part of the all, and that is... If we're going to build this state, expand opportunity, have a first-class health care system, education system, prevent global climate disaster, we actually need revenue. And Walker and the Republicans just spent eight years giving away the revenue to the wealthy. And so his plan is much better than the Republican one, which is $490 million on the credit card. They say it's the surplus. But we know how temporary these surpluses are. I will hearken back. I've been involved. I was just starting then. Uh, back to the... I think it's about 2000 when the legislature decided to give everyone a big tax rebate because of a surplus. And then lo and behold, it disappeared and there was a huge deficit that Governor Doyle came into office and he had austerity for two terms because of it. So I, the surplus part is ridiculous. But at least with Evers, because they have similar amounts, they do it, he funds half of it. It's $220 million out of the manufacturer's giveaway uh, by capping it um, at $300,000. So at least he, you know, he, he half pays for it, which is way better. But quite frankly, all $440 million or $490 million, those are the two tax cuts, should actually go into education, health care, lead pipes, rebuilding our economy, dental access, like we talked about earlier, et cetera, et cetera, making this a stronger state. Well, and to your point, Robert, about good fiscal management, the governor's position is we should be taking this up as part of the budget. We shouldn't be doing this as a separate bill right now. Correct. Another good point on his side. A yes. really good point. Yeah. Uh, so just wanted to point that out. But um, I, I wanted to just pull a quote um, from Senator John Urbanbach uh, to your point about the surplus, where he said, it's like finding $20 in your pocket and saying, oh, my God, I've got to spend it now. <laughs> yes. And you don't have the $20 and he was later. there, I think, already when wait, they last time they had to minute. spend it now, right now. <laughs> wait a minute. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 20 bucks, race gas. <laughs> uh, those of you, us who work with Matt, uh, he, he may not be totally lying. <laughs> oh, living life to the fullest. $20. <laughs> Let's go. Let's hit the road. Anyways, no, it's a it's a brilliant point by Erpenbach. And again, it's I don't care for, hey, we should definitely run the government like a business. Just like you shouldn't run the business the way Matt Brusky, you know, spends <laughs> money that he finds in between the couch, which he knows is his kids. Anyways, um, oh, I enjoy <laughs> the, the Alberta Darling quote. This is not for millionaires. This isn't for trillionaires. It's not for the rich. It's not for the super rich. It's for the middle class. Well, I guess they come last because you already benefited those previous groups, Alberta, over the last eight years. Look, th- we talked about this uh, last week, and I-, I really think this is important because we're going to talk about this a lot going forward and it's going to be part of the struggle of co-governing, right? Being honest about what the true differences are about what's being proposed. And we'll always generally fall on the side of Evers and the Democrats, but being clear about what that vision ought to be. And last week, you know, we heard it there, you know, the idea Senator Larson did say he got 10 calls on, what did he say? 10, they got 10 calls on the tax cut stuff, right? In total. what did we hear all, what have you heard all week? Green New Deal, people trash, like trying to trash it, right? Whatever, but it's been the deb- the focus of discussion, and it's at least laying out and putting in the discussion 
these important issues, right? The idea where people are going in and picking apart the details of this. It's not happening, right? Like, just in the same way, unfortunately, Senator Larson's great series of bills isn't happening. But the vision, right? The vision's out there now, and it's a part of the discussion. So, um, anyways, th so obviously, Robert, that's a part of when we have these tax cut debates where we don't truly believe by giving the middle class people tax cuts that that's how you fundamentally spur the economy. Will there be some money spent if you get? Of course, there's going to be some money spent. But does that make the investments to to, to kind of change and create the economy that's going to create opportunity for all? I don't think so, but it's what we got right now. And speaking of climate, Governor Evers, yeah. we've been in climate denial, as Sarah Godlewski talked about in a previous segment. Well, we, re we joined the alliance of 21 states, and, we, and Tony Evers says he wants to meet the Paris Climate Accord goals, which are just a minimum. We actually that's need to do great. more. That's great. Not a plan yet, but that's a great start. It's totally different than scrubbing the state websites of any mention of the, of the greatest threat to humanity that, that, that we've ever faced. Yeah, no, and I love this, since I'm quoting people today, I love this quote from the governor. He said, do I believe in climate change? Yes. Do I believe in science? Yes. Do I think that we can create a green economy that's good for our state? Yes. But what I'm really interested in is seeing what other states are doing that are ahead of us. And I think, you know, there's a real opportunity for Wisconsin, now that we are, like, catching up and agreeing that science is real, to take what other states are doing that can be good for our economy, that could be good for the environment, uh, and and good for our quality of life throughout the state. So uh, I'm excited about the possibilities now that we have people. You know, we talked earlier with Treasurer Sarah Godlewski from yep. every, you know, up and down the ballot, up and down the, the hierarchy in Madison who are really paying attention to this. I love the clarity of what Evers said there, by the way. Like, talk about really good messaging and just being clear without getting into details. And Great meanwhile, stuff. in other climate news, Mitch McConnell, can, <laughs> we, hear, McConnell. can we hear a boo yeah. um, or oh. hiss or something? Uh, Bronx cheer. Uh, so Mitch McConnell's going to bring the Green New Deal to the floor. The Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, supported, she didn't invent the whole thing, yeah. legislation because he thinks it will divide the Democrats and he especially wants the candidates for president to take a vote. So my advice is don't be afraid. Yeah, don't. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Uh, but they, you know, it probably no one ever got broke, uh, uh, you know, counting on the fear of, uh, of some mainline Democratic politicians. So Mitch McConnell, if you missed that, is giving you all permission to do what Senator Larson said. This is the time to start blowing up your senator's offices and letting them know why you think it's important to support the Green New Deal, because there's a chance Baldwin and Johnson may be voting on it. And so let's go. Let's start the debate. The discussion is on about our vision of what kind of economy we want. So, folks, make those calls. Uh, and shout out, of course, to Evers to, you know, finally getting us on on this and, and really making sure that we are a part of this discussion here. Um, another topic that we have to talk about this week is uh, the blow up around Colin Kaepernick and Black History Month in the legislature. This is it's just, it's not shocking given the legislature we have. But um, Rebecca, I'll let you uh, take the lead on this discussion. Yeah. So the um, the legislature's Black Caucus, uh, you know, introduced, uh, you know, resolution for you know uh, they pat you know for who they wanted to honor for Black History Month, and in it was uh, included Colin Kaepernick and the Republicans who run the houses. Um, 
you know, objected to that. And I wanted to highlight a quote from Robin Voss, who just, you know, we don't talk about Robin Voss enough Ooh. on this show. Yeah, we got to really... We'll make a commitment to change that, Rebecca. Yeah. Thanks. Um, he said... Ugh. He said, I think it's important to recognize the contributions of literally thousands and thousands of African-Americans to our state's history, but also try to find people who, again, bring us together. And then he said, not look at people who draw some sort of vitriol from either side. So I thought that was fascinating because I'm sure like what he in his mind, what he was saying was either side, like Republican or Democrat or left or right. But in this case, I read it as, oh, white people should should have the right to co-sign who is an acceptable African-American for us to be honoring. And the Black Caucus put this forward and you have white legislators saying, no, that person's not acceptable to us. It really is equal equal stake in this or say at all. And who should be put forward? It's, it is. But, but they were told this jaw-dry. very eloquently yeah. by a number of, yes. uh, by yeah. our small but uh, very forceful members of the African American Caucus, um, and they ignored it and proceeded. So David Crawley said very well. Why does he have to basically seek the blessing of my white counterparts right. for the African American right. Caucus to propose what should be honored in Black History Month? Can you imagine this if we vote down the Irish caucus mm-hmm. and remove names, right, for a non-Irish majority doing that? That's what this amounts to. And I thought Lena Taylor basically saying, basically, who are they to speak yeah. uh, for who should be honored in Black History Month is, is, is very powerful. Yeah, Lena said, who are you to deny our reality? But notice how just... they simply, the, mo- the block of predominantly white uh, conservative men proceeded to remove Colin Kaepernick. Anyway. They did it. They pushed through both days, including yeah. after massive blowback. The yeah. first day of the Senate did it, anyways. Um, and obviously, you know, shout out to the assembly folks who went back and re- changed their votes after fully appreciating the scope of what's going on here. So, with that, though, we are going to wrap up this edition of the Battleground Wisconsin. We want to again thank State Treasurer Sarah Godlewski for joining us and State Senator Chris Larson for joining us. We'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.